Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. tuning in online. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. I'm just going to talk to our church for just a minute. We'll be back with you in a second. But hey, listen, in regards to our church, if you're one of those individuals that say, I want to see God move in my church. Again, prayer is the door that we open for God to move. And so if you sincerely, genuinely say, I have a heart to see God move in my church, come join us on church prayer. You might say it's a little bit different. Listen, you pray the way you pray. We'll lead you and direct you. But again, your voice matters. Your faith matters. And so I want you to know your church is special. As we were worshiping this morning and I was watching our worship team up there, I'm thinking, dear God, we've got one of the best worship teams in Genesee County. You may not understand that or realize it because you come here, but I'm telling you, you're blessed. And God wants to use this church and he wants to use you. So Come on out and join us in prayer, and let's pray out the plan of God. Open up those doors for God to move. Again, let's not limit him. Let's take advantage of that time. Amen? It starts at 630. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we're going to get into our message this morning. I have this uh, particular subject that's on my uh, heart, and it's simply a, a message called Stand the Gap or Stand in the Gap. And again, you're significant for the hour that we're living in. And I, I, I realize that when it comes to the times in which we're living, so many people are wanting to hear a message that's relevant to their life. You know, they say, don't you see what's going on? There's all the stuff that's going on in the world. Haven't you seen the gas prices? There's got to be answers. Pastor, can you preach a message that's relevant to our life that we can apply to everyday life that can help build and strengthen our faith for everyday life? And the answer is yes. We can and we will and we know and have the answer. And the answer and the most relevant thing that you can partake of and receive and hear about is Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. The world needs Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The most relevant thing that we can hear and give a, 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 a an ear to is to hear about and go after Jesus because Jesus is the answer for the world today. You might say, well, yeah, how does that help when it comes to gas prices? Jesus is the answer. What about all the craziness that's going on in the world? Jesus is the answer. You can't get a question that will trick the answer. The answer is always going to be Jesus. Amen? So we're going to talk about 
standing the gap or being the individual that will stand in the gap this morning. And there's a couple of different directions that I want to address this morning. And I'm going to say this first and foremost as I get ready to start sharing this message. This message that I'm going to share with you in part is a message that I just heard last Sunday night. My wife and I, we went up to our pastor's church. And they had a guest minister in that we know. Uh, he, he ministers down in Columbia, has several ginormous churches down there has two ginormous Bible colleges down there doing a phenomenal work and he shared a message and that message so stirred my heart it stirred my wife's heart and we continue to talk about it the days after we heard this message and so I hope that some of the things that I share with you this morning will stir your heart like it stirred ours but once again God wants you to stand in the gap if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 19. Once again, I realize we're not real familiar to turning into our, our Bibles on a Sunday morning because it's always there up on the screen. But I want to take a moment just to turn in our Bibles. There's a portion of Scripture that I'm going to read, and it's Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 11. And as I said, I'm going to read a... a a lengthy portion here but this portion of scripture that I'm going to begin to read it's the parable of the Mina everybody say Mina Mina, Mina is money all right it goes on to say this and starting in verse 11 it says now as they heard these things he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he, can't call, so he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Occupy or do business until I come. Verse 14, it says, But his citizens hated him and sent a delegate after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when they returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded their servants, or these servants, to whom, had, uh, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then he came to the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. He says unto him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, having or have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also have five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your mouth or your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and re, uh, reaping what I did not sow. When, they, uh, when, they did not, or when then did you not put my money in a, or why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who had ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, 
or who has will be given, and from whom who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Then and lastly, verse 27, but bring him or bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. There's several things that I want to bring to your attention concerning that particular portion of Scripture. But that portion of Scripture, as Jesus is delivering this parable to them, is really the present day in which we're living. We are living this out right now. In fact, if you notice, the Bible says that they thought that he was going to establish his kingdom immediately. Well, do you understand that that's really why Jesus came? He says that I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his whole point. Amen. Say it with me. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So did you notice he didn't just come to save? He came to seek. So in other words, Jesus came with the intent to looking for those that were lost. Amen. And he also came to establish <clears throat> the kingdom through the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But in regards to the kingdom, the kingdom is established and we have become a part of the kingdom while we've received Christ or become born again. But do you realize that the kingdom of God is really still to come? Where we're going to rule and reign with him for eternity. Amen? We've become a part of the kingdom. We are in the kingdom. We are his kids. But once again, the kingdom is going to be established once we all get home and spend eternity with him. But now when he came, he said this. He says, now, you've become a part of the family. He says, now, as I depart or before I go... He says, there's something that I've got to leave with you, and it's this. He says, I've got a commission or a command that I'm going to give you. In Mark chapter 16, he says to his disciples, and how many of you know all of us are disciples? If you've received Christ, you are a follower or a disciple of Jesus. Therefore, what he said to them is applicable to every one of us. He says, I give you a command. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Or in other words, he says... What I'm instructing you to do is go tell everybody that I love them. Go tell everybody that I love them. As many as you know, tell them that I love them. Now, I know for many of us, we have difficulty sharing our faith about Jesus, don't we? I mean, if we're going to be honest, we struggle in that particular area. And you realize that there are certain people that are just graced you know, that's their ministry. And we can't feel guilty because one is better than the other. All of us have been called to share our faith. But some are graced to do it more than others. But nevertheless, the Bible says that we aren't left of our own accord to share the gospel. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and actually it's what we know as the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses. Amen. So not only did he say, I'm giving you this command to share the gospel, tell people that I love them. He says, I'm going to give you an empowerment to do so. You don't have to do it in your own strength. I'm going to give you power to do it. Amen. Aren't you glad? What does that mean? That means when you start to tell people about Jesus, he shows up. 
Amen. I'm telling you what, I've shared Jesus, Jesus with people on a number of occasions, and the presence of God showed up to where they're like, what is that that I'm feeling? It's just like, that's, just, that's him. I started talking about him, and he showed up. Amen. So not only did he empower us to fulfill the Great Commission, this was also the beginning of the church age in which we live. We are living in the church age because when they received the Holy Spirit, the church was birthed. Aren't you glad for the local church? Amen? I said, aren't you glad for the local church? I mean, there's the church universal where we're a part of the body of Christ. But thank God there is a local church by which we can get connected and become the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission collectively. In the church age, this is training for the future. This life, this short existence that we have right now is nothing more than training for the future. There is a, an eternal reward for everything that you do right here on this earth. And so therefore, if you go to heaven having received Christ, but have never did anything to fulfill the plan of God for your life that He has assigned for you, how many of you understand that if you do nothing, the reward is nothing? I didn't say He didn't go to heaven. I just said that there's no eternal reward. In other words, the Bible says this as well. <clears throat> it says that we are going to rule and reign with Him in the kingdom for eternity and it's based upon the eternal reward so in other words whatever you do here on earth is setting you up for your position in heaven amen so in other words when i get there what i've done here establishes what i do there and i don't know about you i want to be able to go somewhere or go there and say or have god say to me man i've got something special for you based upon what you did here Right? But if we never fulfill what God's called us to do here, the Bible says that when we get there, we're going to stand before God and give an account for those things that He's called us to do. And if you don't recall, the Bible says that there is a time of mourning and that there is a time that He's going to wipe away the tears from our eyes. And everybody says, well, there's no tears in heaven. Oh, there is at the judgment and I believe that the tears that he's going to wipe away are the tears that we've said, God, I've not done what you've called me to do. I believe that there's going to even be some shame at that moment of saying, God, this is my eternal reward. As we look to others around about us that we've done life with and they're getting promoted and they're getting put into place and they're ruling and reigning in their place that they have uh, 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 arisen to because of their training here on this earth and we have to stand by and say God I I didn't really do much of anything how many of you want to do what God's called you to do so that for throughout eternity we're standing before him and saying God I'm doing eternal business for you because I trained well on the earth come on say it with me I'm gonna train well your place in the kingdom, like I said, is established here on the earth. If you recall, when you think about the servants that had the meanest given, the one that did well, he said, to, he said to that one, he says, you're a good servant and you've done well. 
I want to hear those words before the Lord. And here's the thing. If we'll honor the future. Now here's where the future has to become a reality to us. And I believe so many people of us, we think, well, one day we're going to go to heaven. We're just going to live our best life here right now. And eventually we'll get there. Not knowing what the future holds, not knowing that we have a place to achieve, that there's something that God wants us to arise to, and therefore we don't honor the future of eternity. But if you'll honor the future, it will establish your behavior for today. Did you hear what I said? I said, if you honor the future of what God's going to call you to do for eternity through the eternal reward, if you'll honor the future, it will change behavior today as to say, God, I want to live today for you. God, today I want to be aware of the call of God on my life. What have you called me to do? I don't want to stray to the right or to the left. I want to be faithful and diligent to that which you've called me to do. Jesus said this, he says, Occupy until I come. Occupy or stay busy until I come. Well, how many of you have noticed that life can keep you busy? He doesn't mean just stay busy and stay active and just doing stuff. No, he's saying stay busy with the great commission. That which I've commissioned you to do. Stay busy. Get after it. Go doing what I've called you to do. And that is to simply teach and preach and make disciples. I said, teach and preach and make disciples. You might say, well, where and when? It begins at home. If you want to know the first people that you have the opportunity to teach and preach and make disciples, it's those little ones that you've given birth to and are raising up in your home. Maybe it's grandkids today. Teach and preach and make disciples because eternity matters. And the only reason that you're in their life right now is because God has given you a ministry to preach and teach and make disciples of those little lives that you have the influence in right now. Amen. Let me ask you a question. I'm assuming this would be kind of relevant for all of us in, in the modern day in which we're living. But most of us, if not all of us, unless you're a younger person, you all have a cell phone. And if you're like me, you become pretty dependent on your cell phone, right? You've got business, you've got contacts, you've got whatever else in there. It's more than just a phone. It becomes a, a, a form of business for you in a lot of ways. And how many, by a raise of hand, how many of you have ever lost your cell phone before? You've lost it. Have you felt like... Something was wrong. You lost the left leg or something. It's like, man, life has just come to a screeching halt because I cannot find my phone. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what I'm saying. All right. We'll pray for you later for lying. We've become so dependent upon our cell phone that when we lost it, well, how many of you have ever lost keys before? Have you ever felt like, oh dear God, how am I going to get around? I got an appointment, I got to do this, I got to, where are my keys? And you start to panic and you start to look for your keys, right? Have you ever lost money before? Like, man, I knew that I had that money, what did I do with that? And you start looking for the money. Because you place a value on the keys, you place a value on the money, you place a value on your cell phone. But let me ask you the question, how many times has your money ever looked for itself? The money never looks for itself because it don't know that it's lost. 
Why do we look for those things that we lose? It's because we place a value on them. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Because he placed a value on the lives of people. For you and I, how much are we looking for those that are lost? You know, the family that you have raised or that you're a part of, the extended family, whether it's your sons, your daughters, your husbands, your wives, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, people that you work with, friends that you have, when you do life with them, do you see and recognize that some of them are lost? Or is it just, well, that's just, that's just them. I just do life with them. I'm just, I just do carnal things with them. Or do you recognize that they're lost? And if they're lost, they don't know they're lost. Therefore, they're not going to be the ones coming to you and saying, Hey, tell me about Jesus. I'm lost. You've got to be intentional to know that that becomes your ministry. It is the training ground for this life. God has assigned those people to you because they need Jesus. Amen? Now, He'll give you wisdom as to how to do that, when to do that. You're not a bully for Jesus. You understand that. But the lost have to be sought. Amen. The Bible says that God gave us all the same mina. Did you notice that that's what he did to all those individuals? He gave them all ten minas. So in other words, the playing field is the same. You might say, well, you're a pastor. That's what you do. You've got more minas than I do because that's what you do. No, Jesus gives the same mina to everybody. It's just different environments in which you use your mina. Right? And here's the thing. It's been said that the mina was four months worth of wages, which means it's a harvest season. What's the mina that God has given you? It's enough for the harvest season. There's the people that God has assigned to you and He's given you enough for the harvest and the people that God has put in your place. But have you recognized or identified that they're lost? And that's why you're in their life. God's wanting us to occupy until He comes. In verse 17... In verse 17, pull that up if you will, Matt. Notice what it says here. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, having authority over ten cities. You might say, what's the reward of being faithful with your mina? The reward of faithfulness is the reward of more work. Did you see what that just said? If you're faithful with very little, now you're going to have authority over 10 cities. Oh, dear God. Really? 
No, I'm telling you, that is the reward that God counted you faithful and said, listen, you've been faithful with this. Promotion is coming, baby. Here's what I need you to do now. And I'm telling you, if you'll embrace it, you'll not shun it. You'll not reject it. You'll not resent it. You'll openly say, God, I long to do what you've called me to do. Because not only have you called me, you have empowered me to do what I need to do. Amen. God calls us to do it, and he'll call us to be faithful if we'll respond. Now, there's something else that we need to see in regards to these individuals that he gave the meaning to. Did you notice that the first servant, he said to him, he says, good servant, you've been faithful. Because he took the ten mina and got ten mina in return. The other one that had, or the second servant that had ten minas, only got five. Did you notice that Jesus did not call him good? Nor did he call him faithful. He just said, all right. Well, we'll give you three cities to have authority over. There was still a reward. But what does that mean? That means that God has empowered us to do everything that he's called us to do. And therefore, it is possible for us to do it. And that's what he's looking for us to do. But how much distraction have we allowed to overcome our lives to where we don't even know whether or not we're even doing what God's called us to do? How many times have you ever asked somebody, what's God's plan for your life? What has he called you to do? And people say, well, I don't know. <laughs> didn't even know God called me to do something. What's your ministry? I didn't know I had a ministry. Well, you better find out. Or you're going to be up in heaven saying, oh, Man, I messed up. I had my whole life to train and I didn't do nothing. Better stop fishing so much. <laughs> he says to the second one, he didn't say to him, well done. He didn't call him good. But then there was the third one. The third one that says, Master, I was afraid. And I didn't do anything with the mina. I just put it in a handkerchief and just hid it. And the master said, according to the words out of your own mouth, you'll be judged. And this is what he called him. He said, you are wicked and lazy because you did nothing. Now, what was the byproduct of him being lazy? What was his response? He said, I've heard about you, that you were an austere man, and that you reaped where you didn't sow. So therefore, out of fear, I didn't do nothing. Do you realize that fear will cause you to be lazy for the kingdom of God? I'm afraid of what God's going to ask me to do. Okay, I'll just be lazy. I'm afraid that the commitment is going to be too great. I'm just going to be lazy. I'm afraid that I might get hurt. All right, just going to be lazy. I'm afraid that I might have to tithe. <laughs> Ooh. Amen. He said that fear is what promotes or causes lazy behavior for the kingdom of God. And isn't that what the church suffers from today? Fear of commitment or what it will cost me. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But how many of you know that there's a spirit of fear that's driving fear? And it's not God. 
it's the enemy. I said there's fear that is driving those that are in the church. There will be those that don't receive the reward when they get to heaven because they allowed fear to dominate their lives. There will be those that will say, I wish I would have, but it's too late. Again, now these are people that love God. They're Christian people, but have just allowed fear to control. I realize that there are times that we can say, well, it's for the sake of principle. You know, this has happened and that's happened. So for the sake of principle, I'm just, I'm just not doing nothing. Well, do you realize that principle is just another fluffy word for pride? And pride is a byproduct of fear. Listen, I get it. I understand. I was just talking with some people the other day. And we were talking about ministry. Man, do you realize that ministry is hard work? Do you realize that ministry is an unthankful work? And do you realize that, you know, as pastors, you know, over the years, I mean, we've been doing this thing for like 25 years. And you've got to get thick skin. Because there are going to be people that look at you one day and are smiling and their best friend. The next day they're stabbing in the back and they're just saying, I hate your guts. And they're telling everybody about it. That's just the nature of ministry. And not to say that that's always the overwhelming experience. My point is this, is that ministry is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. If you think that you're special, just look at what Jesus went through. He was betrayed by his inner circle. He was crucified, beaten and mocked by the people that he came to seek and to save. They crucified him. Amen? So if you think that you're going to have just a bed of roses or it's just going to be easy street, no, listen. Jesus set the example. It says, listen, it's not going to be always fun. But there's a reward. Oh, there is a reward in heaven. And the greatest reward that we're going to have, not only that will please the Father, but there's going to be those people that we see throughout eternity, that we see them, and when they see you walking down the street, and this might have been the millionth time that they told you, but you're walking down the street and they high-five you and say, I'm here because of you. Man, isn't that going to be amazing? And you're thinking... You know, most times, you know, you hear people and like, no, I'm tired of you telling me that. I bet you that in heaven, on the millionth and one time, it's going to do something on the inside of us. Glory to God. Yeah, that's right. You're here because of me. Because I follow the plan of God for my life. Not only are you here, but they're here and they're here. Praise God. My son and my daughter's here. My wife, my husband's here. Praise God. And when you start praising God, all of heaven starts praising God with you because of the reward and the faithfulness of the training that we have here on this earth. Amen. Woo, praise the Lord. Say it with me. Say, I'm not lazy. Why was this individual in fear? Why was he lazy? Well, did you recall what he said? He said, I've heard that you're an austere man. I heard that you sow where you don't reap or you reap where you don't sow. Well, apparently, he did not know the Father. 
Because the Father is a very generous Father. The Father is a loving Father. The Father is a good, good Father. And isn't that what happens in the body of Christ? There are people that are in the family of God, but they don't know the Father. And so therefore, because they don't know the goodness and the generosity of the Father, they live a life in fear and fearful of commitment because they don't know that God is a generous God. He's a generous God and He's looking to help us. And then He says this statement. He says, out of your mouth you'll be judged. And He took the mina from the third servant and gave it to the first one. And they're like, well, hey, he's already got it. Why are you giving it to him? And he says, well, those that have more will be given. And those that don't have, it will even be taken from them. What does that mean? That means this. God has a plan B. He's given you the supply for everything that you need to do. He's given you the meaning to fulfill the ministry that he's called you to do. But if you don't do what he's called you to do, there is a plan B. And there is somebody else that he will call on to do what he's asked you to do. And they'll get your blessing. Not me, baby. I'm getting everything that God has. It might be hard work. It might be long hours. Oh, it might be heartbreaking at times. But there is a reward of heaven. And I'm not going to give up mine for you or to give to you because I'm getting everything that God has for me. Praise God. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk in and live in the rewards that I have. Now, let me ask you this. When I talk about those rewards, I want you just to take some personal inventory because if you take some personal inventory, you'll probably be able to examine on the inside in regards to your eternal reward. You know on the inside, well, you know, my eternal reward of my labors may not be all what I hoped they would be. Or maybe you're like, well, you know what? I've, I've been faithful. I know my reward's great. You know. And I don't bring that to your attention for the sake of condemnation or to make you feel guilty. It's simply to stir your hearts and bring it to your awareness. If there's that gnaw on the inside that says, my reward just isn't what I would want it to be, then you're still in training. Jesus is still coming. He's not come yet. Get busy. Occupy until he comes and he'll redeem the time. Do you remember when there's this, the, the parable where there were those that served and worked at the beginning of the day and they got a day's wage and there were those that got hired on at the end of the day and they got the same full day's wage even, because they got, even though they got hired at the end of the day. So you might say, I've lost a lot of ground. I've lost a lot of time. No, occupy. And the reward's restored. And eternity is amazing because you've received the reward. Amen. Woo. Stirring myself and get happy, praise God. Amen. But then there was number four. There was servant number four. If you will, bring up verse number 27. He said, Now there were those that didn't want me to reign over them. They just made the choice to be stubborn. He said, Bring those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. There are those that are just going to simply reject God. And they're going to spend eternity separated from God. Let's not be those. Let's not be hard-hearted or resentful to God's leadership in our lives. Let's surrender 
and allow God to use us. If you know somebody that's hard-hearted, pray for them. Love on them. Because God's got you in their life for a reason. And you might just be the opportune individual that can help turn a hard heart. So, what is the mina? The mina is the precious fruit of the earth. It's people. That's the commodity. Now, how do you multiply? Remember the first one, he had ten mina and he multiplied it tenfold. How do you multiply your mina? In John chapter 12, starting in verse 20, once again, let me read a little portion of Scripture here. Starting in verse 20 of chapter 12 of John's Gospel, it says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethesda, and of, uh, uh, Bethesda of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat... Now listen to these in verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. How do you multiply the mina? You die to self. That's a hard statement. If we love our lives. But if you'll fall in love with Jesus. It's not hard to surrender. And the blessings and the benefits are eternal. Does God want you to simply sacrifice your life and go and live in a mud hut in Africa? No, that's not what God's saying for you to do. He's wanting you just to surrender your heart and your life to Him. And when you'll purpose to do that, He says, your mina is multiplied. That's when you'll have the greatest impact in this hour and in this day. The Father is wanting us to do business. He's wanting us to occupy until He comes. The best and the most significant way to reach people and to reach a community is through the local church. It's not a social club. It's a spiritual force that has the ability to change the landscape of a community. Why do you think that the enemy works so hard to keep the local church small? Why do you think the enemy works so hard to bring about division and schism within a church? Why do you think the enemy works so hard to busy your life with other things rather than being in the local church because it is the number one way to change a community will you stand with me I've said to you that God has called us for such a time as this you have a plan and you have a purpose for your life that God has assigned to you you have a ministry and you have been appointed and anointed 
And you have been empowered to do exactly what God has called you to do. I'm challenging you this morning to find what God has called you to do. You might say, what does that look like? I'm going to suggest that the first place where you can begin to discover that is in the local church. Now, as we close, I'm going to do something just a little bit different. And that is, is that during the summer months, attendance and help gets a little thin. So I'm asking you to stand in the gap. So, we have department leaders. And I'm going to invite them to come up front. Doug, come and join me up front. Matt, join me up front. Maggie, join me up front. Randy, Ken, come on up. Who else am I missing? Chuck, come on up. Face the congregation, if you will, please. Terry, come on down. Thank you. Amen. These are a few. My wife, obviously... Is a, yeah, come stand right next to me, man. You're the whole reason why I can do what I can do. Amen. Why did I have these individuals come up here? Because oftentimes when it comes to saying, God, what's my place? And where do I fit in? Oh, another one that I've talked to just recently, just so that you know. Uh, they've been involved with church and ministries for years and helped launch churches. Joe and Kiz, they've been in ministry for a long time. And Joe said, hey, listen, I want to help, so... Joe's going to start coming on board here and being one of our leaders to help make things happen around here. So we're glad to have him on. Amen. We've been, we've been praying for better looking people. Thank God. Amen. <laughs> so, cafe. If you want to get involved with cafe, it is a vital part of ministry to serve people. Here's Maggie. You can connect with her. If you love little kids and babies... And you might say, oh, that's just babysitting and changing poopy diapers. No, it is a ministry loving on babies and sharing the love of Jesus in a practical way. This is Terry, and she'll get you connected. What's that? And preschool as well. If you like preschool, she'll get you connected. If you like praise and worship, if you think you can sing, he'll audition you. But Doug is leading our church into a higher place of worship. Doing a phenomenal job. Come and see Doug. If you have a desire for tech and media and you're techie in that, that manner, Matt's the man. Come and see Matt. He's just amazing and he'll teach you everything that he knows and make you even better than what you are. If you like hospitality, Sandy's not here. She heads up our, our greeters. But we have Randy. He heads up our ushers. If you say, man, I can be an usher. I can just shake a hand and love on somebody. Come see Randy. Sandy will help you get connected and greeting, shaking a hand. If you're one of those hands-on kind of people and you like to mow grass and make things look pretty, Ken, my dad, he's the one that heads up the lawn department. Come get a hold of him. Chuck on the end here, he heads up our teens ministry and our big kids ministry. If kids, big kids, teens are in your heart, come and see him. These are people that have come and joined arms with us to serve this great community and to serve this amazing, great, power-packed church. I encourage you, find your place. You say, what's it going to cost me? It might cost you everything. It might just cost you one hour out of a month. 
whatever your desire is. But you're valuable, you're needed, and there's a gap that has your name on it. Will you help us fill the gaps and love this community and change the landscape? Amen. I'm going to pray for these individuals that are here leading. And I'm going to pray for our church just as we continue to move forward in the summer months. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every leader that stands up here this morning. That you have empowered them, equipped them for such a time as this. That God, we don't do it just as doing a job or doing work. God, we're doing ministry together. So God, I thank you that you have equipped them to lead at a higher level and to get more accomplished in this hour than ever before. I thank you, Father, that you're sending laborers. You said pray for the laborers, and so, God, we pray because there is a harvest and a great commission to fulfill. And so, God, we thank you that our job is not to put pressure. We're not trying to strong-arm anybody. We simply want to do what you've called us to do in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Give them all a hand, if you will. <clears throat> thank you, thank you. You all can be seated or go back to your places. Amen. Remember, this coming Wednesday is church prayer. If you want to come out and just pray down the power and the glory of God, come out and let's pray together. All right? God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.